When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Love Rugby League podcast, bringing you the latest rugby league news, talking points and exclusive interviews. Listen as fellow fans and experts discuss the burning issues in the game and share their bold predictions. We're out every Wednesday to look ahead to your rugby league weekend. Well, welcome one and all to this week's Love Rugby League podcast. I'm George Riley, uh, Josh McAllister, Love Rugby League's reporter, are with me this week as well. Loads to talk about this week, so much to get through, not least uh, James Roby poised to become Super League's greatest ever servant. He is level with Kevin Sinfield's appearance record and poised uh, to surpass it by one at the end of the week. I'm told he is definitely going to play as well. So that record is about to go and will we ever see uh, the likes of that broken again? Will we ever see the likes of James Roby again? Well, this week's big interview is with a guy who knows him probably better than anyone. Uh, Paul Wellens, the St. Helens legend, the current Saints and England assistant coach is uh, this week's big interview on the Love Rugby League podcast. Uh, prior to that, let's uh, discuss uh, a few things, not least Warrington's woes, their continued struggles, Huddersfield's uh, immediate response to their disappointment in the Challenge Cup final, and Leeds' resurgence, it seems, Josh, as well. Normally, we, we start the pod before we go into the big interview by uh, detailing where we have been and what games we've been at the previous week, but you've been on holiday. I have, yes, I've been to the lakes. <laughs> so, so, so I'm not sure, I'm a, I'm a unless you went up to Workington or Whitehaven or Barrow. Or Barrow, no. I, mean, I think we passed Barrow on the sign. Windermere was at, so I've had a lovely four days away, me. Did you get <laughs> Did you get a chance to take in any rugby league this week? Uh, I watched the Casper versus Wigan game. I didn't watch it live. I caught up on it on Saturday night, um, and that was a, a good game. Casper started off really strongly. Wigan looked slow, and then it all changed in the second half. Wigan came out the, the much better of the two sides. Sometimes it's hard, as you said, to back up after the Challenge Cup, win or lose. Obviously, it's probably easier to go on and win your next game if you've already won the Challenge Cup. Mm. But the... Uh, we, Matty Pete's side played pretty strong in the second half and French fullback Jay Field slotted in at the half because there was no Thomas Lulai and Wigan looked pretty strong Yeah, for whatever reason and there are a variety of reasons it's incredibly difficult to back up after uh, what a cup final takes out of you both sides did it really well Huddersfield probably better, better than Wigan they went to arguably the toughest place to go uh, in Super League to get a result at the Catalan Dragons and they won it I mean the reasons for why it's so difficult would range from Celebrating too much, having a bit too much booze, which uh, certainly Wigan had a day or two doing that. Uh, drowning your sorrows if you're losing. Just trying to get that edge back when you put so much into a, a showpiece event on the big stage. That come down, can you go again? Uh, Wigan proved you can and, and Huddersfield really proved that you can. They had a couple missing as well through injury, but they had Will Price back who was, who was electric and... I was really interested to see which way it could have gone, whether they'd have been deflated and the season might possibly fall away. The early signs are that it would be the opposite and actually they're, they're genuine contenders in the Super League this year. They are, they're showing it, they're showing that they're one of the, the better sides. That you mentioned last week they were only defeated, they were beaten in the Challenge Cup 
for 10 seconds it was just 10 seconds yeah. uh, that, that Lee Marshall scored that try and to go away back it up and win it Catalans Will Price back on kicking duties obviously he was a big inclusion for them to, to make his return after his, his 10 game ban Ian Watson his first year with Huddersfield quite disappointing that they stayed they were patient which is we'll probably talk about Warrington something they might want to go on and do and they're showing this year that they are a real unit a real side that can contend for, for Super League and that's what they said after yeah. after their loss they said the next that, that's a motivation to go and win Super League and they're looking like they could could be up there and Earl Crabtree on the Love Rugby League podcast uh, this time last week said very much that this is I think he indicated this is probably one year too soon yeah, I think he was saying next year potentially for grand final but, but why not this year uh, we'll come on to Warrington versus Leeds because for me that's where all the stories really have come out of that one match uh, this week but just in terms of where I've been <laughs> uh, I went up to Newcastle on the Featherstone team coach uh, with Bri- I sat in Brian McDermott's seat uh, as well he didn't like that he got on at Scotch Co- <laughs> he got on at Scotch Corner and uh, yeah you don't want to do that you don't want to sit in the coach's I'm, seat I'm guessing you had to move oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he sat right behind the driver uh, it was very silent actually to be fair to him all the way up and then oversaw oversaw a Featherstone victory which was a, a disjointed first half and a very very good second half I was at Featherstone, uh, the Bradford game, uh, at the start of this week. And in between, I had another look at Cornwall uh, against London Scholars, which if they're going to win a game this year, you probably thought it might be that one. Um, full credit to the Scholars, who've gone back-to-back now and are pulling away from, from Cornwall. But I just thought, if Cornwall are going to get a win, it has to be this game. They just can't play for 80 minutes at the moment. They made a really good signing, I thought, in Aaron Jones-Bishop, Jamaica yeah. International. He was terrific on his, on his debut, try-scoring debut, but... There's just not enough there at the moment, and it was—it's just hugely frustrating watching every Cornwall game as I do as a commentator on our league. You just wonder where it's going to go for Neil Kelly, and can he keep trusting in the local talent that is around him, the the local rugby union talent, trying to get them to play league, or is he going to have to get more Jones Bishops down to try and play rugby league in Cornwall? You know, what is the way forward, and where does it go? Which is a difficulty because I can't imagine you. As a part-time team, you, you're going to struggle finding players who want to, going to relocate to either relocate or. Ma- ma- well, if they want to pay me to go down to Cornwall for three or four months, I'm more than happy to give it a go. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it's, it's a huge challenge for him, and I'd yeah. imagine, and he's uh, you know he's been around the block, Neil Kelly. This will be unlike any challenge that he's ever had in rugby league. Just trying to get this team, uh, get get this team winning games, and with it, build the business, get the crowd in. Because at the moment, you're turning up and watching defeats. Uh, every week which is tough um, just bringing it back to Featherstone because they go uh, to Lee next Monday night uh, live in front of the Premier Sports cameras and that will be uh, a really good opportunity to see what both sides have learnt since Tottenham in the 1895 Cup Final Featherstone second half at Newcastle and throughout the whole of the game on Monday night against Bradford I thought were excellent and what's been interesting is that Brian McDermott has now started to make changes. He's, he's made changes all the way through the season, but that was largely because he didn't know what his best squad is. I think he now does have an idea, but he's still making bold changes, the, the, the boldest of which being dropping Featherstone's leading scorer in Craig Hall. He hauled him off in Newcastle after 11 minutes because he was doing plays that he didn't like, and he left him out again in the Bradford Bulls game. And that is an almighty call, a huge call to leave out the club's record point scorer. Jonathan Ford was left out as well. You'd expect he'll come back in. Uh, for the league game, but he's starting to make bold decisions, and I think this is a this is a reaction to what Featherstone saw from Lee in that defeat at Tottenham, having had everything their own way up until that moment. It'd been all Featherstone; they were flying through the league, and suddenly, big wake up call 
Well, you mentioned it that you probably learn more in a defeat than you do in a win. And, and, and Brian McDermott goes on about that every week. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. Uh, he he. In a strange way, he'd rather have either a narrow win or a defeat than a massive victory. Because what you what you learn from a 60-70-80 blowout every week, you learn absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, so it's so really interesting to see just slight little changes, and it'll be fascinating to see if Featherstone are closer uh, because they got nowhere nearly. I didn't think at Tottenham, and it'll be interesting to see whether whether Featherstone. Uh, are closer when they go to Lee in what is actually a huge game even at this midway point of the season uh, on Monday night uh, let's talk just before we get to the big interview which is a, is a if I do say so myself a really good listen this week with, with Paul Wellens talking James Roby where does he rank in terms of the greats greatest ever uh, Saints have got another number nine who they've got a statue of who who, who might argue with that. But he's great on James Roby, on his role with England, what that England squad might look like for the World Cup and where Saints go for the rest of the year. Do they need to make a couple of additions, bearing in mind how thin they've suddenly become in the halves? And yeah. we, we discuss all that. It's a really good half hour that I spent with Paul Wellens. Always great company. I want to talk about the Warrington-Leeds game. I, I don't know if you've managed to see much of that, but as good as Leeds were, and I've had a, a few Leeds fans on my back saying, give Leeds credit because they've got so much better in the short time that Rowan Smith's been there. And they did look good. They looked fluid. Zach Hardacre was excellent. He looked a, a shadow of the side left by, by Richard Agar. Warrington were absolutely hopeless. They were so bad. Uh, they were all over the place. There was no cohesion. There was no togetherness. There was no spirit. There was no fight. There was no backbone. There was Curry and Cooper having words with... With, with the, the supporters who made their way down afterwards from the hospitality box after a few beers. Uh, something, I mean, I don't think there was anything in that, but it's it's just not stuff you would normally see. There's there's something not right there. And for me, as a Leeds boy, that was what stuck in my mind after that game more than, oh, Leeds are looking like they're, they're turning up now. It's like, what on earth is going on at Warrington? Uh, and that is a question. What is going on at Warrington? Because they've got a good squad. They've got a good coach. We mentioned with Ian Watson, Huddersfield weren't that good last year, but I don't think they were ever this mm. bad. They never fell this low, and it's you, you just you struggle to just begin to think where where it's going wrong. The I don't know if it's within the club, it's the culture, it's the training, it's higher above, but something that is going wrong. They've obviously brought in um, the Tom, Thomas, is it from the NRL? Mm. His second name, yeah, I can't, can't quite remember it on the spot. <laughs> so they, they obviously Kayla, wanted to yeah. that's it. Yeah, they wanted to bolster their their forward pack, which is something that they've been been dis- discussing we've been discussing all mm. seasons how sort of soft their pack is looking but they should have done that already why was Chris Hill not properly replaced yeah exactly and and then going on that the best player the best prop in Mike Cooper has been letting go for next season so I don't know what's going on there yeah, well, a he's, pick up for Wigan yeah he'll be great at Wigan he's, he's clearly be. following Lee Breers there I mean for, for me to pick up on a few of the things you said there I think, I think all of them are true I think it's the new coach thing where the players are struggling and I think resisting in a way. A lot of Daryl Powell's new, you know, his, his, his game book, his, his playbook, I think uh, a lot of it is disjointed and the players not really buying into it as much. Has he managed his players that well so far? I think that's on him to probably say at the moment no because he has admitted that, you know, some people are, you know, kind of bumping heads a little bit there. Uh, so that's on Powell and knowing him as I do, I'm sure he'll get that right. But I think it goes deeper. I think it goes beyond. It goes above and it goes to the hierarchy. You mentioned culture. That's the word I've, I've discussed more this year than I think any year following rugby league. Leeds have gone on about culture and uh, and the need to restore that. 
uh, over the last few years of what's happened, Wigan have gone big on rediscovering the Wigan way and going back to their culture, which we know is hard work, loyalty, being honest, which is why any bad eggs have, have gone out the door. Saints talk about their culture that, you know, you talk about Saints, you know what they mean, you know what their identity is. It's that stylish, slick play and having loyal players like the guy we're going to talk to in a minute, Paul Welland and, and James Roby. What's Warrington? If you were to say, well, what's the Warrington identity? What is the culture? I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's at the minute, I'm, I'd struggle. To, you'd struggle to find anyone that knows. It's underachieving, nearly men who at the moment are stagnating and treading water in a sea of change that they haven't really got the hang of. That's Warrington at the moment for me. I go back to that conversation we had at the start of the season with George Williams when he told Love Rugby League that uh, you know this was the year to end that it's always our year joke. It's like, well, I don't think this is what he had in mind. <laughs> I mean, he's ended it because it's definitely not their year. But I don't think this is the way that you want it to go, um, and I think that goes that goes right the way up to you know to the board and, and Carl Fitzpatrick. What is Warrington? You look at you look at the personnel that have gone: Andrew Henderson, um, Lee Breers, enjoying great success. Hendo flying with Keithley, Breers flying with Wigan, Chris Hill flying with Huddersfield. Everyone who's left is prospering. Yeah, Chris Hill's playing his best rugby he's played for years and, and pushing for an England spot. Has it been replaced? No. And what they've got left, they're looking at moving on as well. So there's something badly wrong there. Um, and I would be very, very worried if I was a Warrington Wolves fan. I'd, I'd, I wouldn't say that Powell's job is in under any immediate jeopardy. I think that would be absolutely ludicrous. But what I will say is that match against Wakefield for a, for a round 15 game suddenly looks absolutely enormous. Uh, because if they go to Wakefield and lose, there are going to be some serious alarm bells ringing. And it's already 2-0 to Wakefield, I think, so far this season. They've beaten once in the league, once in the cup. So all pressure. They know how to do it. Yeah, they know how to do it. Um, a word on, on Leeds before we get into to, to Paul Wellens on the big interview. Looking a lot more fluid. Um, obviously, I'm biased being a Leeds lad, but uh, I don't know what Rowan Smith has done, but he's one thing he has done is got the players playing with freedom and with a smile. Uh, I bumped into one of one senior player at the Rhinos last week and he said training is a lot more fun now. The inference being that it wasn't particularly at the end uh, for Richard Agar and I, I understand what Rowan Smith has done. He's come in and said, don't worry about making mistakes. Um, that's where we learn. So just chuck the ball around. Be prepared to make errors because that's where some of the best stuff will come. And I think you, you see that the way Leeds are playing now, there, there is a lot more freedom in that side. And they scored some great tries at Warrington. I've mm. just seen the highlights on the Super League show. That inside ball, I think it was Myla to Hardacre with Cruz Lehman. Hardacre was excellent. Yeah, I think that that was one of the standout tries. They, they, they played as a team, I think, for the first time in a long time, and they did look really good. Yeah, they, they seem to be getting their leads at the moment. I'm sure there'll be uh, the odd stumble along the way, but the improvement has been uh, notable. So some big games uh, to look forward to uh, this week. So we'll have loads of build-up, of course, across uh, Love Rugby League. Throughout the remainder of the week, let's get into uh, the big interview though next. Uh, a week that will see James Roby becoming the longest serving player in Super League history. He will become the record-breaking appearance maker, surpassing the record set by Kevin Sinfield. And I've been speaking to another St Helens, Great Britain and England legend about, well, plenty of stuff, but predominantly about that man, James Roby. This week's big interview is Paul Wellens. Keep up with all things Rugby League 24-7. Head on over to loverugbyleague.com. 
Well, welcome to this week's big interview, a weekly look at life and league with one of the sport's biggest names. And this week we have a St. Helens and England legends, so one of uh, just a few who have won uh, the Lance Todd, the Harry Sunderland and the Man of Steel as well. Great pleasure uh, to speak to Paul Wellens. Paul, how are you? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Uh, been all, a bit right. of, uh, all good this end. Been a bit unfair to you, really, because we normally come on and we have a good old chat about the individual and delve into their past and present. But we will do that. I want to talk to about another guy with you, a guy you know very well, who's about to uh, reach a, an incredible milestone of uh, record Super League appearances in James Roby, uh, surpassing Kevin Sinfield, if selected this week. Uh, I'd imagine he, he probably will be. Um, a few words from you on on James Roby before before we talk about you, the man and, and the player, and what, you know, put into to context what a big achievement this is, what he's about to hit. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a huge achievement. Uh, you know, the dedication that Robes has shown to his profession for a long, long time is is quite unbelievable. Uh, you know, I look at rugby league as a sport and, you know, as a gladiatorial sport, uh, it's probably the toughest team sport in the world, I, I would say. Uh, you know, rugby league players are like the SAS of the, of the, of the services, so to speak. In terms of what they what they put their bodies through on the field and you know the de the demands of the game, and when you think about James Robey and the position that he he plays in terms of the hooking position, uh, the amount of time that he spends on the field in such a tough sport, and the duration of which he's done it for nearly twenty years, it's just you know if rugby league players are the SAS, he's the the leading soldier so to speak in terms of. Of, of, of what he's achieved and what he's put his body through. And I think you ask anybody, not just within this club, you ask anybody within the game who they admire the most in terms of what they've achieved in the game. I think a lot of people just turn to James Roby straight away. He is one of those figures. And, you know, in the same bracket as the guy he's about to surpass, Kevin Sinfield, like you say, that, that pretty much universally within the game, there is respect, there's there's. I'd never see any criticism, kind of bitterness, hatred of, of players like that. You know, what is it about players like Roby, like Sinfield, and why they why they command that respect amongst their peers, do you think? Yeah, I think you know, with them both, and I know them both really well. I think, you know, when they've had when you've had so much success throughout your career, both both you know, with the teams and individually as well, uh, but but you retain such a humility around it. I think that endears them to, to everybody. Uh, you know, they're the first to recognise that you know their achievements, uh, whilst being fantastic, they they recognise that the people around them have, have supported them and had an impact in in helping them to achieve what they've achieved. Their humility is, is second to none, and I think that's what endears them to people because the success that they've had is unrivaled, really, and uh, yeah, it just makes them you know re really really great books and, and, you know, people that, that other people want to spend time around. You've been on this journey with him, really, from, you know, right through um, playing as you had right through the career at, at Saints. Have you been in any way surprised by the longevity of his career? You, you, I mean, you mentioned his size and when he turned up in the team, and I remember thinking, oh, you know, he's a bit, he's a bit different. I never would have thought he would be the longest serving Super League player ever. Yeah, I don't think, you know, you know, when you achieve these milestones, I don't think you ever think at the start, you know, that that's where it's going to end up. 
But but what I've come to learn with Robes is that you put nothing past him. Uh, he is the most mentally resilient person that I've ever come across in the sport. He is what I would say is the best sufferer you could you could find. Uh, and by that I mean when a game gets tough, uh, it can find a lot of players out. But that's when James Robey actually at his best. Uh, and that's when he comes to the fore, when the game's at its absolute toughest. Uh, so you never put anything past him and the achievements that he's achieved, whilst they are spectacular, I'm still not surprised because you just know that he's always got something else left in him. <laughs> uh, and the group, you know, I, I've never seen a group of players that we have here at St. Helens in awe of one player as much as this group are of Robes. Uh, when he made his 500 Saints appearance, uh, you know, a few weeks ago at Headingley, the team was so motivated to go out there and give a performance for him because of what he's achieved for the club. And you ask every player and, you know, every every member of uh, the playing group, every member of the coaching staff, you know, what they think of James Roby and, uh, you know, they're almost identical in, in terms of the response. Uh, what's he like as a bloke? You might tell me different, but from my place in the media and seeing him at various events and, and chatting, very polite, very humble, very quiet, very unassuming, very grounded is is how I've always found him. Um, you, you tell me, you'll know him far better. Yeah, well, I've had the pleasure, haven't I? I've had the pleasure of playing alongside him and now work with him as a coach. Uh, I've known him a long, long time. And yeah, you know, he's a fantastic bloke. He's one that, uh, like he, he is quiet. He, you know, he's very humble, like, like I've mentioned. Uh, but he's also got a real, like, you know, a fun side to him, a real fun side. And particularly, uh, you know, down the years when, when we've been at weddings and he's had a few beers, he's, he's one on the dance floor. He's got some really great dance moves, which, which may surprise a few people. Uh, he probably won't like me for mentioning that as well, but he has. Uh, but yeah, he's got a real fun side to him. Uh, but again, he, he he gets the balance right. He he knows when when to have some fun, but he knows when to switch on and be a professional. And uh, he sets the standard there in terms of uh, of what we expect here at St. Helens. And like I say, he, he's a great guy to be around. And that's that's a real key that you just touched upon now. A, a word I hear a lot of them. We've heard it with with Wigan in their uh, resurgence this year. Talk a lot about culture. We've heard it at Leeds in their struggles about talking about culture and wanting to get the culture back. I guess someone like Roby embodies the kind of culture that you want to have in and around the rugby league club. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, he he has an impact on everybody around him, and it was only when you know you hear someone like Jack Wellsby who's coming to the team talking about him wanting to be like James Rover, him wanting to set the standards that James Rover sets. Uh, that's that's hugely powerful. Uh, you know, a Lewis Dodd, for example, as well. All the young players that come into the team, they look at James Roby as an example of how to act, how to behave, how to perform. Uh, and you know, you know James Roby won't won't play here forever, but the impact uh, and the legacy that he will leave behind will will stand the test of time. Uh, just one one kind of technical positional question: what what do you think has made him such a great hooker? Uh, what is it he does that is is so good that, that makes him so good in that position? Well, I think, you know, quite simply, like, there's, there's a few sides to the game. Like, for, a, for a, a top quality number nine, you have to be able to pass the ball really well. And that's something that he does better than any nine I've seen. He hits the mark more often than not. I mean, 
in training myself and Christian, if James Roby throws a bad pass, it comes as a real shock to us because he just very, very rarely does it. Uh, so he gets that side of the game right. So he gives the halves the ball where they need it, which allows the likes of Johnny Lomax, Lewis Dodd, Jack Wellsby to go and do what they do really well. Uh, he's a resilient, tough defender. You know, for a small body, he's not preferred to put himself in front of big bodies and and, and be efficient with the way he defends. Uh, and like I've already mentioned, he's super fit. He's the fittest player that I've ever come across in the sport. Uh, I think he, he surprises a lot of people. I know when been in international camps in the past and we do fitness drills. Players from other clubs are gobsmacked with his level of fitness and how far he can go. And he ends up being 15, 20 metres out in front. And that's been a common theme for Robes throughout his career. And he's still doing that at the age he is at now. So, you know, he's quite phenomenal. You know, the fitness to be able to perform in that position consistently, you know, is crucial. And that's what makes him the best. Might be a difficult one for you to answer this, bearing in mind, you know, you're part of the coaching team at England as, as well as St. Helens. But I, I just look at him and think, you know, he would still be in that England squad. He, he would still, he, he'd be playing in the World Cup if if that's what he wanted to do. Um, do you still regard him as, you know, one of, or if not the best hooker that England had? Yeah, I still think he's the best nine, nine in the competition. And uh, I, I, I'd, I'd be amazed if there was many, many out there who would disagree with me. Uh, you know, look, obviously, Robes made the decision to to call time on his international career, and we, you know, we wish we respect that decision because of how can you not, you know, given the fact that of what he's done in the game. Uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, if you if you, if Robes was to pick up the phone to Sean Wayne and, and make his intentions clear that he would like to be a part of the World Club, I'm, I'm sure Sean Wayne would be delighted with that. But at the same time, Robes has made that decision for a reason. We respect his decision and. Uh, you know that that's that's something that you know he he decides on, and we can't do much about it. Is is there any chance at all, speaking as a fan here, that he might rethink it? I mean, you see him every day. I don't know if you've tried to persuade him. I'm just thinking maybe he's been he's been surprised by himself and the way he's kept going, and he might just think actually I could still do that. Yeah, I mean, I mean you would never say never. But uh, I would be very surprised if he did make a U-turn on that decision. Uh, obviously, his contract's up at the end of the year and uh, there's been talk of him uh, hanging his boots up and this being his last year. Uh, but like I've said to you before, I never put anything past James Rober. If he, if he decides that he wants to do something, he puts his mind to it, he gets it done. That, that's, that's James Rober to, to a T. So he might go around again, but you don't think he'd, 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 he's going to be ringing Sean Wayne before the World Cup? I don't think so, no. Uh, but uh, you know, James is his own man. Uh, like I said, he's a very determined individual. You know, when he puts his mind to something, uh, it, it happens because 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 of his determination. Uh, but you now, given the you know the fact that you know, I think one of the, one of the reasons why he decided to not play international rugby was so we could get that longevity at the back end of his career. Because you know, if we if we are honest. Uh, you know the, the the schedule over here in terms of you know Super League internationals on top of it when you know a player like James Roby uh, could potentially play nearly forty games a year is is too much uh, and something's got to give somewhere particularly when you're an aging athlete I think it's something that the game does need to look at in terms of the amount of games we play so we have our best players available fit healthy and ruined to go come the back end of the year and it's unfortunate that you know someone like James Roby has to make a decision about retiring from international rugby because of 
because he need, he needs to give his, his body a rest, so to speak, to be able to perform well enough year in year out. Uh, two last ones then on on Roby. Do you think this record will ever be broken? It's going to be very difficult for for the reasons uh, I kind of just mentioned as well. I think we've got to get to the point, you know with the game over here where we look to reduce the amount of fixtures that we do play. I think the demands on the on the players are too high at the moment and particularly your top players are expected to play international rugby as well. So I think with that in mind, if the game goes in the direction that it should and the, the amount of games come come down, I think it will be a record that, well, it, it should be a record that will never be broken uh, unless someone plays 20 to 25 years, which <laughs> is going to be very, very difficult. Uh, because I think what you've got to remember with, with with Robes as well is that he's had very few periods where he's been out injured. I think it might have been two seventeen to 18. He missed 10 weeks with an ankle ligament uh, problem. But other than that, I can't remember him having a prolonged period out of the team. So, you know, given the, the fact that you've, you've played nearly 20 years with very little disruption, it makes it a really difficult record to beat. Uh, one final one, romantic question, perhaps. There's one corner of the St Helens Stadium with a big statue of Kieran Cunningham, a Saints legend. What what chance do you think in the future another statue on the other corner of the stadium with, with James Roby? It's highly likely, isn't it? I think, you know, we've been really spoiled at this club. Uh, you know, Kieran Cunningham made his debut in 1994, I think it was. And for me, we've had the best hooker in Super League for nearly 30 years. And two phenomenal players, two phenomenal people. Uh, and yeah, I don't think anybody would have any complaints if there was a, another statue on the other corner of the stadium, that, you know, alongside Kieran. Uh, you know, what they've both done for this club uh, over a, a long period has, has been, you know, amazing. They're both two people that either are holding the highest regard uh, and two people that I think, you know, any St. Helens fan, would point to as you know who are legends of the club. Uh, they are you know two of the, two of the greats, and you know we can't forget obviously great players of the past. Your Alex Murphy, your Tom Pamphol, and Ovens, and those, those likes as well who we all hold in high regard. Uh, but the, those two, in terms of the modern era, have been up there with the very very best. Yeah, I would not disagree with that at all. Uh, nice words. Uh, just a couple of minutes more generic stuff. Where where are you and St Helens at right now, and how, in in terms of your your season, and obviously looking to defend titles, one of which is gone. And how, how difficult was it for you that Challenge Cup final weekend, not being in it? Yeah, very difficult. Obviously, it was a you know a huge goal at the start of the season. Obviously, we won the Challenge Cup last year, and we wanted to defend that title. And uh, really dis disappointing result for us against Wigan in the semi final. Uh, but what this group has tended to do really well over the last few years is bounce back well from disappointments. Uh, and that's the challenge for us again. Uh, our Super League form has been pretty good uh, since since then. Uh, we've had a you know, great performance against Hull, uh, a real tough battle against Warrington and obviously a, a tough win away at Toulouse on the weekend. So we've bounced back well again. Uh, that, that's what this group really does well. We're looking forward to the challenge that, that the rest of the season is going to bring. You know, we're... We're defending our title again, which uh, becomes tougher year on year. But again, it, it's something that we're really excited about. Does it take a bit of the pressure off that you know people were talking you up this air of invincibility and everyone wanted to knock Saints off the perch? And you know, you've had a couple of setbacks already, so people know that you are human. And it, I don't know, it might, might allow you just to kind of to focus a bit more on what you're doing day to day. 
yeah i mean it's it's certainly uh you know people talk about pressure and there's always pressure when you when you're at this club because the expectations are so high but for me a team that's won three super league titles consecutively is probably under less pressure to win than a team that hasn't won a super league title in a number of years so in that respect we're excited more about the challenge that the defending our title uh, presents uh, the group know what success looks like they know what playing in big games feels like and uh, when when you do that consistently enough it makes you want more and you see a real drive and determination within the group to to achieve again uh, obviously we've got some new players that have come in this year uh, the likes of Will Offoati, Curtis Siren and James Bell uh, Conrad Hurrell uh, they want to be part of that, that success as well. Uh, so that gives us an added impetus. Uh, and we know that, as you've already mentioned, other teams want to knock us off our perch. And that's an exciting challenge for us as well, because every, every time you know, a team turn up to play us, they're turning up to, to beat the champions. And that's something that we've got to rise to. Uh, you mentioned some of the great names you've brought in. and I don't know if there's been any discussion about you know, bringing anyone in during the season. It was in the halves, I was kind of thinking when Lewis Dodd picks up that injury, so, so unfortunate for him. Is there ever any discussion about, do we need to sign anyone to, to kind of replace him for the rest of this season? Yeah, I mean, the, the difficulty with that is always around the salary cap yeah. and what, what you've got available there. Uh, but, you know, one of the reasons when we bought Will Hopawati to the club to, to predominantly play, play centre for us initially was, was his versatility and his ability to be able to play fullback as well. And obviously Jack Wellsby's shown that he's equally at home, both at half and, and fullback. And Johnny Lomax has also showed his versatility this year as well. So, you know, when Will come to the club, it was always with the uh, with the kind of the, the comfort blanket, so to speak, of him being, being able to cover a few positions. And Unfortunately, with Lewis's uh, injury, that's that's the position that we find ourselves in now. But we have every confidence that, that you know, Will can do a great job. He showed that on the weekend. Uh, Jack and Johnny in the halves are you know a real strong combination. So you know we're well covered the you know down the track if something maybe could happen. It's something that we'd never probably discount, but we're very very comfortable with with what we've got at the moment. And how are you enjoying coaching? Uh, I asked that question with with. James Graham's comments fresh in my mind from coming on this podcast a few weeks ago where he said he, he's already thinking it's probably not for me this because I don't know how I keep hold of my sanity being being a coach every day. But I look at you and you, I mean, you're a very different, well, most people are different people to, to Jammer, but you seem to be thriving on that role. Yeah, I'm really, enjoy, I'm really, really enjoying it. I mean, it was something that, you know, the back end of my career when I was in my late 20s, I had a very firm belief that uh, I wanted to, to get into coaching and, Obviously, I spent a couple of years with through our junior systems air coaching and then moved up as an assistant with Justin Holbrook and then can, can continued that with Christian Wolf. I've had the you know, real privilege to, to work with so many great coaches so early on in my coaching career. You know, also I've just mentioned there, Justin and Christian, but also international level working with Sean Wayne, with Wayne Bennett, with Steve McNamara, and some unbelievable coaches who I've learned so much from. Uh, you know, I have my own idea and my own philosophies I want to do. And ultimately, one day I do want to become a head coach. I'm in no rush to do that because I'm really enjoying the experience of working with Christian in the moment, working with a great group of players who challenge me every day. But, uh, it's you know, that's a challenge that I'm grateful for. Uh, and, yeah, I'm just enjoying the day-to-day -day process of, of being a coach. And, and uh, there's always something going on, which is exciting. You know, you're never bored. Uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Well, you must be learning a lot from someone like... Christian Wolf, who's such a, a great 
reader of the game and such a you know his knowledge every time i speak to him i'm impressed by his knowledge his intensity in in a nice way you know he 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 just lives and breathes everything doesn't he yeah he does uh, me and Ian Talbot the uh, our other assistant we often giggle because Christian's got like a kind of rain man like <laughs> thought process over over the game he can remember a play that happened in 2019 and he can pull up a clip and you think how how how's he remembered that? You know what I mean. So he, you know, he's a really diligent person. Uh, you know, he's very knowledgeable about the game, understands uh, a lot. And uh, but but more so to that, the other side of things that probably people don't see the the man management side of things. He, he's a, he's a really honest bloke. He he's in constant dialogue with the players in terms of our standards and you know you know what what we hold as. You know, all pillars here in, in terms of getting success. He, you know, he covers every base as, as a coach, and I've learned so much from him. And with your with your England hat on, just just briefly, has it been? I guess you haven't been as frustrated as others may have been because you've been been having the day to day at St Helens. But it's this huge, big rugby league World Cup year, and you know, England haven't really got together yet. You know, we've got this fixture coming up, but it's been so difficult, and there've been a number of reasons for that. You know, I just think as a fan, it's like, how are we going to get to this World Cup and actually have a good shot at taking down Australia and New Zealand? Yeah, well, I think I think there's Australia, there's New Zealand, there's Tonga, there's Samoa, there's Fiji. Oh, yeah. there's, you know, strong squads at the moment, so it's going to be a real challenge for us. But, uh, you know, we, we had a test match at the back end of last year against France. Um, and what really struck me about the, the, the England group, and uh, there's been a core of the players who've been there a few years now, but when they came into camp, there was a real good feeling about the group and a real good feeling about representing England and particularly an excitement around representing England in a World Cup on home soil. So whilst we haven't quite had the uh, the, 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 the contact that you know, we probably would have, have liked from an international point of view, uh, I'm, I'm confident that when, when the World Cup does come around and we get into camp, because I've seen it in the past, there'll be a connection straight away, you know, the, the passion around playing for your countries the you know throughout the whole group uh, and it's going to be a really exciting time and look if you're a, an English player and you're in that squad like you know how many opportunities do you, do you get to to represent your country on on home soil in a world cup it's it's a one of those that you, you grasp it with both hands and you give everything you've got do you think there are a lot of spots kind of still up for grabs another thing James Graham was saying is that you know we shouldn't be too worried about not getting together because most people push their claims at the business end of the season because that's when the big games are and that's when people show what kind of form they're in. And, you know, given that the case, I'd imagine there's a lot of people with a chance of getting in this squad. Yeah, I think there is. There, there, there are a number of spots still up for grabs. And look, you, you, you only have to watch Super League week to week to understand that, you know, some players are, have stronger claims than others at the moment and, and who the better players are and who's performing... At the level that certainly Sean would expect, you know, you know, come the back end of the year, and you're right in what you say, uh, you know, even come playoff time, there'll still be places up for grabs. You know, when we're looking at England players, you know, and, and judging players on who who should make the squad, we're judging them on how would they perform in a World Cup final at Old, Old Trafford at the end of the year. Uh, so those actions and those behaviours that England players display throughout the course of the year. They should have that at the back of the mind that you know when Sean's watching a game, he wants to see people showing the standards that is going to be needed. 
come the back end of the year and hopefully a World Cup final. Uh, just a couple of final thoughts um, before we let you go and enjoy the rest of your day and you know the trainings or the planning or the reviews or whatever you've got to do today. Um, you and you and James Roby strike me as quite similar in respect that you know you've you've been loyal right through your careers with with, with Saints. Uh, have there ever been? You know, I always get into this with, with the guests on this. You know, why, why do not more people chance their arm and go and play in in the NRL? We we are, we are seeing it a lot more now than we used to. I think and back in the day when it was kind of one a year, you know, the Adrian Morley or or whatever would go over and play. We do see it a bit more now, but you know, given some of the talent in our sport, it seems we just, I don't know. I, I admire the one club men a lot, but the other side of it, I was thinking, you were good enough to play at a higher level, if, if yeah. that's fair to Super League. Um, you know, was that ever a, a factor for, for you or for, you know, for, for Roby as well? Were you always wanting to and, and happy to be where you were? Uh, I mean, there's, there, there came a time in two, around 2004, I played for Great Britain in the Tri-Nations and there was some interest in me going, going to the NRL. And it was something that I thought about, but ultimately when I stripped it back, I was playing in a great team with great players, your Sculthorpe, your Longs, your Cunningham, we were being successful. And I had no real desire to, to leave because of, you know, I was enjoying playing for what was essentially my team, my town. Uh, uh, and so that was the only time it really became an option and I didn't feel comfortable leaving because I was so happy here and I've remained happy here ever since. So I don't regret that decision at all. Uh, I do often think, well, yeah, could I have played in the NRL? I'm confident that I could have done them. Uh, and in terms of James Roby, I would say it's very similar. I think, you know, sometimes the grass isn't always greener on the other side, as they say. And, uh, you know, James himself has... He's been through a lot of this club. He's been through good times. He's been through bad times. He was part of the team that lost five grand finals with me. <laughs> so, you, you know, you have those experiences as well. But, you know, the success that he's had, and I, I don't think he would regret the fact that he stayed at this club. And uh, I have no doubt. I, I do feel that James Roby has been the best hooker in the world at the point. And, he won the Man of Steel in 2007 and he's probably had 10 seasons better than that one, which is, is <laughs> it's phenomenal to think. But uh, yeah, he's been the best hooker in the world at some point a lot, alongside someone like Cameron Smith, you know, both very similar in terms of what they've achieved in the game. And if he'd have played in the NRL, he'd have been considered right up there alongside him for me. I hope you've appreciated, by the way, that I haven't mentioned any of those Leeds grand final victories. <laughs> I mentioned it very early with James Graham and he noticed straight away. <laughs> um, just a final point, uh, we'll let you go. I, I always like to ask our guests and, you know, you're someone who's rugby league through and through some, some you know, a lesson or two that you've learned from from league that has served you well in, in life and how, you know, how rugby league has made you kind of the man you are and, you know, the good guy in, in, in life that you are. What, what have you taken from the sport that you've given so much to and, uh, has given you so much back that, that, that you would probably say has served you well as a, you know the rest of your wider life and as a, as a person. Yeah, I think quite similarly. Obviously, get, get a work ethic and a, and a discipline. Uh, you know, when you commit yourself to being a professional athlete, you know, you know when I started my career, and, and you know, you've got to think rugby league turned professional really around '95, and I made my debut in '98, so I was still in the early stages of. Uh, you know, rugby league was still in the early stages of what professionalism was. 
But professionalism at that time for me was what people thought was was getting paid to do what you do. But actually, professionalism professionalism is a whole different thing. There's getting paid to do what you do, but there's dedicating yourself to what you do. Uh, and you know, we talk about someone like James Roby, uh, but he dedicates himself to his profession. Uh, he's got a work ethic, uh, and that will stay stay with him now for whatever he does beyond beyond, beyond rugby. And I think that's what rugby league has given me. It's given me a discipline and a, and a work ethic to to commit to something, and that's what I take into my coaching now. Also, it's a respect. You know, what we have in a sport like rugby league, we're essentially going to field and the physicality of it. Uh, to be able to walk off that field and someone that you've been knocking lumps out of for, for 80 minutes, you can shake hands at the end of it and have a respect. Uh, that's another an, an, another thing that, that you take from the sport is that, you know, treating people the right way, having a humility, having a respect for each other. It's something that, it, it, it's a simple thing, but, but it, it's not something that, comes naturally to everybody um, some people have to learn it uh, and in learning it I think rugby league is one of the best environments to learn those those core values yeah I couldn't agree more with that um, Paul it's been great having you on really appreciate your time uh, you've been a great guest you would be uh, so thank you very much for coming on uh, and thank you for listening and we will see you next week Thanks for listening to the Love Rugby League podcast. Know someone who shares our collective love for rugby league? Let them know about this podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Eager for more rugby league news? Visit loverugbyleague.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.